Hello, everyone. Tap that start button or escape key. Sit back and relax. Welcome to the Pause Mini Podcast. Uh, still in spooky month again. Um, today, I am here with four, not four, three people. Uh, Cameron, the spoopy snip. Say hello, Cameron. Hello. Uh, Keys, a, a new guest on our show. Hello. And we have Sheep, who is having trouble. Uh, as sheep do. Sheep is... Sheep can't talk right now. Sheep panged out of the, uh... This channel. She got yeeted out of existence. Oof. Okay. Here we go. Now you're back. Go. Hello. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> Alright. There we go. So, updates. Is that, like... Spooky month. I I managed to fuck up Spooky Month. Uh actually, so the episodes got posted. Um and now they have their own uh playlist too. So if you want the spooky month stuff and just want specifically spooky month, you can check that out in the playlist. Um next episode's going to be on Halloween stuff. Uh, and uh, Lane is gone again. Oh. It's a ghost, I swear. She, she died. Hey, Cameron. Yes? What are we doing today? Today, we are doing popcorn-style readings of a bunch of creepypastas. Hell and yes. SCPs. So I think we agreed that we should start with Russian sleep experiment. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know where Lena is, but Lena said that her PC was not charging, so she was just... on her PC though. They're uh, yeah. they're back in general. Okay, all right. I invited. Um, so boy, sorry. We're gonna just popcorn from the uh the Discord uh list starting with the person who wanted to read the story and then moving to the next person. My my only requirement is that you have to read at least a paragraph. But, uh... Well, yeah. it'd be a shame if you wanted to come on to this and then didn't, didn't want to read it. Didn't want to read That'd it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to a podcast where you just never speak. Hmm. All right, so the first one we're doing is Russian sleep experiment. And uh, I oh gave this... <laughs> God damn it, I, Lena. I... All right, then. All right, well, whatever. If it gets to her turn, I'll just skip in the middle of the recording to get to her <laughs> turn. It's fucking whatever. So anyways, as I said before, oh. Russian sleep experiment is a popular one that is all about like this. Um, it's almost an SCP-like sort of take on the genre. Bug is happening. Oh my fucking god. Sorry, uh, this is pissing me off. I'm just explaining about what Russian sleep experiment is. Well, do we have to explain what it is? Or well, yeah, I don't. Yeah. It? Yeah, let's just read it. it. So It'll Give like uh, trigger warnings if there are any, by the way. Um, trigger warnings. This is spooky. It's got psychological horror stuff in it. 
little bit of paranoia, uh, cannibalism, torture. You know, basic creepy pasta stuff. stuff. Um, so I'll start reading, and then uh, next person would be Keys. Yep. All right. Uh, Russian researchers in the late 1940s kept five people awake for 15 days using an experimental gas-based stimulant. They were kept in a sealed environment to carefully monitor uh, their oxygen intake so the gas didn't kill them. Uh, since, it, since it was toxic at high concentrations, uh, this was used before closed-circuit cameras so they only had only microphones and five-inch thick glass porthole-sized windows into the chamber to monitor them. The chamber was stocked with books, cots to sleep on but no bedding, running water, and toilet, uh, and enough dried food to last them for all five for over a month. Uh, the test subjects were political prisoners deemed enemies of the state during World War II. Everything was fine for fi first five days. The, the subjects hardly complained, uh, having been promised falsely that they have been that they would have been freed if they submitted to the test and did not sleep for 30 days. Uh, their conversations and activities were monitored, and it was noted that they would that they continued to talk about increasingly traumatic. Uh, incidents in their past and the general tone of the conversations took darker aspects uh, after the four day mark after five days I lost my place I'm sorry we're at after five days <laughs> thank you after five days they started to complain about the circumstances and events that led them to where they were and started to demonstrate severe paranoia they stopped talking to each other and began alternately whispering to the microphones in one-way mirrored portholes. Oddly, they all seemed to think they could win the trust of the experimenters by turning over their comrades, the other subjects in captivity with them. At first, the researchers suspected that this was an effect of the gas itself, but after, after nine days, the first of them started screaming. He ran the length of the chamber repeatedly yelling at the top of his lungs for three hours straight. He continued attempting to scream, but was only able to produce occasional squeaks. The researchers postulated that he had physically torn his vocal cords. The most surprising thing about this behavior is how the other captive, captives reacted to it, or rather didn't react to it. They continued whispering to the microphones until the second of the captives started to scream. The two non-screaming captives took the books apart and smeared page after page with their own feces and pasted them calmly over the glass portholes. The screaming promptly stopped. So did the whispering to the microphones. After three more days passed, the researchers checked the microphones hourly to make sure they were working, since they thought it impossible that no sound could be coming with five people inside. The oxygen consumption in the chamber indicated that all five were still alive. In fact, it was the amount of oxygen five people would consume in a very heavy level of strenuous exercise. On the morning of the 14th day, the researchers did something they said they would not do to get a reaction from the captives. They used the intercom inside the chamber, hoping to provoke any response from the captives. They were afraid were either dead or vegetables. All right. Are you done? Yeah. For... All right. Uh, Sheep, go ahead. Start at uh, mm. they announced. They announced. 
We are opening the chamber to test the microphones. Step away from the door and lie flat on the floor or you will be shot. Compliance will earn you one of your immediate freedom. To their surprise, they heard a single phrase in a calm voice response. We no longer want to be freed. Debate broke out among the researchers and the military forces funding the research. Unable to provoke any more response using the intercom, it was finally decided to open the chamber at midnight on the 15th day. The chamber was flushed of the stimulant gas and filled with fresh air and immediately voices from the microphones began to object. Three different voices began begging, as if pleading for their, the life of loved ones, to turn the gas back on. The chamber was opened and soldiers sent in to retrieve the test subjects. They began to scream louder than ever and so did the soldiers when they saw what was inside. Four of the five subjects were still alive, although no one could rightly call the state of any of them in life. The food rations past day five had not been so, had not been so much as touched. There were chunks of meat from the dead test subjects' thighs and chest stuffed into the drain in the center of the chamber, blocking the drain and allowing four inches of water to accumulate on the floor. Precisely how much of the water in the floor was actually blood was never determined. All four surviving test subjects also had large portions of muscle and skin torn away from their bodies. The destruction of flesh and exposed bone on their fingertips indicated that the wounds were inflicted by hand, not with teeth as the researchers initially thought. Closer examination of the position and angles of the wounds indicated that most, if not all of them, were self-inflicted. The abdominal organs below the ribcage of all four test subjects had been removed, while the heart, lungs, and diaphragm remained in place. The skin and most of the muscles attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs through the ribcage. All the blood vessels and organs remained intact, and they had, they had just been taken out and laid on the floor, fanning around the eviscerated but still living bodies of the subjects. The, di the digestive tract of all four could be seen to be working, digesting food. It quickly became apparent that, they, that what they were digesting was their own flesh that they had ripped off and eaten over the course of days. Most of the soldiers were Russian special operatives at the facility, but still, many refused to return to the chamber to remove the test subjects. They continued to scream to be left in the chamber, and alternately begged and demanded that the gas be turned back on, lest they fall asleep. To everyone's surprise, the test subjects put up a fierce fight in the process of being removed from the chamber. One of the Russian soldiers died from having his throat ripped out. Another was gravely injured by having his testicles ripped off and an artery in his legs severed by one of the subject's teeth. Another five of those soldiers lost their lives, if you count ones that committed suicide in the weeks following the incident. In the struggle, one of the four living subjects had his spleen ruptured, and he bled out almost immediately. The medical researchers attempted to sedate him, but this Im proved impossible. He was injected with more than ten times the human dose of a morphine derivative and still fought like a cornered animal, breaking the ribs and arm of one doctor. When Hart was seen to beat for a full two minutes after he had bled out, to the point there was more air in his vascular system than blood, even after it had stopped, he continued to scream and flail for another three minutes, struggling to attack anyone in reach and just repeating the word, more, 
over and over, weaker and weaker, until he finally fell silent. The surviving three test subjects were heavily restrained and moved to a medical facility with two intact vocal cords continuously begging for the gas demanding to be kept awake. All right, so it's me? Mm-hmm. All right. The most injured of the three uh, was taken to the only surgical operating room the facility had uh, in process of preparing the subject to have his organs be placed back within his body. It was found that he was effectively immune to the sedative they've given him uh, to prepare him for the surgery. He had fought furiously against his restraints when the anesthetic gasp uh, was brought out to put him under. He managed to tear uh, most of the way through a four-inch wide leather strap on one of his wrists. Uh, even though the weight of a 200-pound soldier was holding that wrist as well, uh, it looked... It, it took only a little more anest anesthetic than normal to put him under, and the instant the eyelids fluttered and closed, his heart stopped. In the autopsy of the uh, test subject that... <laughs> in the autopsy of the test subject that died on the operating table, it was found that his blood had tripled the normal level of oxygen, his muscles that were still attached to the skeleton were badly torn, and he had broken nine bones in his struggle to not be subdued. Most of them were from the force of his own muscles had exerted on him. The second survivor uh, had been the first of the group of five to start screaming. His vocal cords destroyed. Cords destroyed. He was unable to beg or object to surgery and only reacted by shaking his head violently in disapproval. When the anesthetic gas was, was brought near him, he shook his head yes when someone suggested reluctantly. They try, they try the surgery without anesthetic and uh, did not react for the six-hour procedure, replacing his abdominal organs and attempting to recover them uh, with what remained of the skin, of his skin. The surgeon uh, presiding stated repeatedly that it should it should be medically possible for the patient to still be alive. One terrified nurse assisting the surgery stated uh, she had seen the patient's mouth curl into a smile several times, uh, whether whenever his eyes met hers. When the surgery ended, the subject looked at the surgeon and began to wheeze loudly attempting to talk while struggling, assuming this must be some, something of drastic import, importance. The surgeon had a pen and pad fetched so the patient could write his message. It was simple. Keep cutting. Should I? I'll, I'll, I'll read the next paragraph and then Keys can take over. There's a All lot right. of mouth stuff. <laughs> Uh, the other two test subjects were given the same surgery, both without anesthetic as well. Although they had to be injected with a paralytic uh, for the duration of the operation, 
The surgeon found it impossible to perform uh, the operations while the patients laughed continuously. Once paralyzed, the subjects could only follow the attending researchers with their eyes. Uh, the paralytic cleared their system in an abnormally short period of time, and, and they were tr soon trying to escape their bonds. Uh, the moment they could speak, they were again asking for the stimulant gas. Uh, the researchers tried asking why they had injured themselves, why they had ripped out their own guts, and why they wanted to be given the gas again. Only one response was given. I must remain awake. All three subjects' restraints were reinforced, and they were placed back into the chamber awaiting determination as to what should be done with them. The researchers, facing the wrath of their military benefactors for having failed the stated goals of their project, considered euthanizing the surviving subjects. The commanding officer, a former KGB agent, instead saw potential and wanted to see what would happen if they were to put, they were to put, turn back on the gas. Uh, the researchers strongly objected, but were overruled. In preparation for being sealed in the chamber again, the subjects were connected to an EEG monitor and had their restraints padded for long-term confinement. To everyone's surprise, all three stopped struggling the moment it was let slip that they were going back on the gas. It was obvious that at this point, all three were putting up a great struggle to stay awake. One of the subjects that could speak was humming loudly and continuously. The mute subject was straining his legs against the, against the leather... leather blech, I can't talk, sorry. Leather That's bonds okay. with all his might. First left, then right, then left again for having something for something to focus on. The remaining subject was holding his head off his pillow and blinking rapidly. Having been the first to be wired for EEG, most of the researchers were monitoring his brainwaves in surprise. They were normal most of the time, but sometimes flatlined inexplicably. It looked as if he were repeatedly suffering from brain death before returning to normal. As they focused on paper scrolling out out of the brainwave monitor, only one nurse saw his eyes slip shut at the same moment his head hit the pillow. His brainwaves immediately changed to that of a deep sleep, then flatlined for the last time as his heart simultaneously stopped. The only remaining subject that could speak started screaming to be sealed in, now. His brainwaves showed the same flatlines as the one who had just died from falling asleep. The commander gave the order to seal the chamber with both subjects inside, as well as three researchers. One of the named three immediately drew his gun and shot the commander point-blank between the eyes, then turned the gun on the mute subject and blew his brains out as well. He pointed his gun at the remaining subject, still restrained to a bed as the remaining members of the medical and research team flood the room. I won't be locked in here with these things, not with you, he screamed at the man strapped to the table. What are you, he demanded. I must know. The subject smiled. Have you forgotten so easily, the subject asked. We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you all, begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate in the silence and paralysis when you can go to the nocturnal haven where we cannot tread. The researcher paused, the name of the subject's heart and fired. The EEG flatlined as the subject weakly choked out, so nearly free. All right, that was a uh, Russian sleep experiment. How did you guys think about it? Uh, Not bad. Yeah. I, honestly, I kind of regret holding it in such high esteem as a creepy pasta for so long. It's not as good as I used to think it was. Yeah, I'll be totally honest. It wasn't as highly regarded as I thought it was. But uh, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. No, it was not actually, too bad. No. 
it was actually fine. Mm-hmm. There's definitely been worse. Yeah. So now we're going to go to Cameron's story, which is uh, Anasi in Anansi's Goatman story, which is a four chan. I'm dancing uh, on your bridge, goat man. This is a four chan thread, oh, ooh, goat man. Yeah, that he has. Um, is it, is it the Buzzfeed Unsolved Goat Man or a different one? I don't think, no, I don't so. think so. But uh, whenever you guys are ready, Cameron right. can start. This is saved from 4chan's X board on Friday, September 28th, 2012 at 1.31 a.m. Eastern Time. It's been edited slightly from the original thread to improve both grammar and flow. Yo, Chicago represent. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Here's my story. Be 16. Be black and have family down in Alabama. They farm and own a huge amount of land down in Huntsville. Uncle owns a big house and a bunch of trailers they put out in the woods for hunting or camping. Down south, cousins suggest that we go out there to camp. No, I'm a city kid from Chicago. So they tease the fuck out of me. Collect food, kill a pig and some chickens, and bring necessities to camp out for a few days. We get to the camp, and it's obvious something is weird. Air has this weird electric smell, like right before a storm, like ozone. We think nothing of it, and unpack and go down to a little creek to swim for hours. All of a sudden, some older white guy and a white teenager come out of the bushes. He has a shotgun in the crook of his arm and says hello and asks us what we're doing this far back in the woods. Tell him about my uncle, who he knows, and say we're camping out. He says, he tells us we need to be real careful out here and stick together. There was a big animal in the woods, his son who is my age, asks if he can stay and hang out with us. He says, Okay. I'm going to stop green texting because the story is fairly long and the format is harder to write in. Uh, so we end up playing football, digging around with me, and then there's this white kid, Tanner, five of my cousins, and then four of their friends. In total, there were five girls and six boys. We were all around 15 to 17. Uh, we all, we ended up just dicking the w- day away. So we head back to the camp and pull out some stuff for a campfire, even though the trailers had kitchenettes. Tanner said that his family property uh, sits up against my uncle's. He wants to run home and ask his dad uh, if he can go out if he can come out camping with us, sorry, uh, my cousin Rooster says he's going to go with him since it's going to get dark soon. Uh, one of the girls also wants to tag along. It's about seven o'clock and it's starting to get pretty dark. Uh, they take flashlights and trail forward uh, towards Tan's property. Uh, the rest of us Uh, chill, we make s'mores, drink, and kiss on the girls. About 30-40 minutes later, there's the smell of ozone again. You can smell uh, 
it over the smell of the fire, which we had star started. Uh, this nasty, coppery smell, uh, like right after you've had a nosebleed, and it stopped. Uh, it wasn't exactly like dried blood, but it was that metallic back-of-your-throat smell. Uh, we immediately think that it's some kind of electrical malfunction, uh, or some someone left a hot plate uh, on or some shit. We search the trailers and nothing's on, and we can all smell it. All of a sudden, we can hear people booking down the path towards us. And Rooster, Tan, and the girl all come run out of the clearing, out of breath. And they don't even break stride. They all run into the trailer right where the fire is. We all get the fuck out of there and into the trailers. They end up calming down. Even Rooster is crying his fucking eyes out of the point. Oh, okay. All the while, the fire is getting guttering lower and lower, so my other cousins say fuck it and are about to go outside to the generator uh, out of shed between the trailers. Tanner goes to fuck no. Lock the front door. Ain't nobody else going outside. Uh, he's been crying too, and his eyes are bloodshot and puffy. His pants are dirty as shit. Uh, he goes on to tell us that they went up to his house. His dad said sure he could go out camping. But to make sure they were careful on the way back, that maybe they should take one of the hunting rifles just in case. Evidently, Tanner had seen something in the yard a few days before. One of their pigs had come up, ripped up, and half-eaten. They assumed it was just some big cats or coyotes, even though they don't usually fuck with live animals. He had gone upstairs and packed his stuff and told his dad they'd be okay without the rifle because coyotes avoid people. So they started walking back towards where we were camping. <laughs> New mic this time, heads up. Yeah. We totally weren't talking about Projer cheating on his wife. Totally weren't reenacting bad. I won't say that last word though. No. <laughs> I won't say the last word. <laughs> okay. Okay. Behave. So. <laughs> Probably not Can even we... gonna get keep the this shit in. Am I supposed to fucking God fucking read? How am I supposed to go? You guys keep talking over me! Ah! So Rooster finally stops crying and shaking. The girl already had, but she was just staring out the window with a dumb look on her face. He says that they had gotten halfway into the woods towards the camp when they started to hear shit in the forest. It was almost pitch black at by this time, so they weren't sure at first what the fuck it was. The girl says that she had something in the bushes right off the trail, and they all beamed their flashlights over there, and there was someone standing back in the woods in a little hollow. Rooster said that they shouted at him and told him that he was scaring the fuck out of him and what a dick he was. He says that that's when he realized that the guy was facing away from them. So they keep walking and they start smelling the nasty coppery ozone smell. They say that they look off into the forest on the opposite side and it's a dude standing in the forest backwards, slightly closer to the path. So now they start power walking and Tan keeps going, I should have taken the fucking rifle. As they're telling the story, the smell is still super strong, even inside the cabin. They say that after they started walking faster, a kind of low gibbering had started coming from both sides of the wood. And as they started booking it back to the trailer, the girl said she had flashed her flashlight out into the woods to the side of them. It seemed something jerking itself through the woods. The gibbering just got louder and loud. Hey, I know what you're thinking. Stop. <laughs> I'm sorry. God damn it. 
Hold on, Cherry. Ch- Cherry? Laughing at bad jokes? Oh. Mm. Hmm. The gibbering just got louder and louder, and when they could see the light from our campfire, something had come out of the woods about 40 yards behind them onto the track, and they had just flat out ran as hard as they could to the trailer. So, we're out in the fucking woods, and we're assuming at this point it's some rednecks or some shit trying to fuck with us. All of a sudden, my other cousin... My other cousin... <laughs> Shut up! Cousin. Shut up! Everyone makes jo- Everyone makes mistakes in this! Cousin. I will kill you! Oh, Stop. do we have a team no. killer in the chat? No! <laughs> Don't you dare. No. It was a mistake. It was a mistake. Okay. Alright. All of a sudden, my other cousin, Junior, starts walking on about... Starts going on about how he went to school with a native kid that was telling him about the goat man or some shit. We promptly tell him to shut the fuck up because we don't need any spooky talk right now. But he just keeps going on and on about how it's the fucking goat man and how we're in his woods and blah, blah, blah. Now at the time, I had never heard of this goat man or any of that. But then a couple years ago, the year before I graduated from college, I had a menum for a roommate and ended up asking him about it. And to sum it up, it's basically a fucking man with the head of a goat, and he can shapeshift, and he's got, and he gets among groups of people to terrorize them. So this was supposed to be kind of like a, the Wendigo, and it's bad mojo to even talk about it, or even worse if you see it. Keep in mind, I don't know this back when I was 16. So my cousin is going, the goat man's going to get in and fucking get us. The girls are all terrified, and my cousins and I are all fucking trying to figure out if it's just some hillbillies or if it's some animal. So all of a sudden, the smell just goes away. Like, to this day, I haven't even experienced anything like it. Like, usually smells fade away or lessen. It just literally was there one second, and then not the second. So it's after an hour, making it around 9 or 10. You stop shitting bricks enough to go back outside and stoke the fire again. You figure it was just some assholes trying to fuck with us. So we don't go back home. Because we think if we do, they'll chase us through the woods or some crazy shit. Nothing else weird happens that night. And after we stay another night, and for the main part of the night, nothing happens. At about one in the morning, we're outside getting drunk and telling ghost stories. As someone is finishing up some too spooky story. I don't remember what about. The smell comes back. It's so fucking strong that one of the girls literally starts vomiting. I stand up, and you can actually feel how clammy the air is. I say we should get inside and that this isn't right. We should have just fucking left. We all go back inside, and we're standing around. My cousin just keeps going on and on and on about how it's the goat man. My cousin Rooster tells him to shut the fuck up, and all the while I'm just feeling that something is wrong, and I can't figure out what the fuck it is. We end up sitting in here and there for a while. The smell is just as strong, and we're terrified and all huddled in this camper. We end up cooking broths for everybody, because nobody wants to go outside. It's one of those packs of four broths. We have a total of three packs. I grill them up on the stove and give everyone a hot dog. I get mine. After a while, one of my cousins gets up and goes over to the pot to get another one. 
he starts grumbling about how I get two brats and everyone else only got one. And I look at him like he's fucking stupid. I tell him that everyone only got one because there were only 12 brats. If he wants more, he should open up a new pack and cook some more. And that's when the girl that had been out with Rooster and Tan just starts screaming. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Get it out. She's crying and shivering. And then it dawns on the cousin standing up. What the fuck is wrong? Me and him both glance around the room. And then I feel my heart fucking sink. I run the fuck out of the cabin. And the girl runs out with us. The trailer door is banging against the side of the trailer as everyone books out of the cabin. One of my cousin's friends asks us what the fuck was wrong. I start counting us. There's only 11 now. I, I shit you not, my cousin verified. Uh, there had been 12 people in the cabin. Uh, but being that everyone didn't really know each other well, nobody had really noticed the whole fucking time that there was an extra person. And then I realized earlier that I kind of noticed something was off. You know how when you're dicking, you're just dicking around uh, having a good time that you don't sweat the smallest shit and you don't always keep track of certain stuff. I'm dead sure that someone else had been in the trailer with us and they, they had been there for at least a fucking day eating with us. What makes it worse is I couldn't figure which one because I don't think and anyone ever actually interacted with each other with the other person slash the goat man. Uh, the girl kept praying to Jesus and uh, we're all sitting outside. Eventually we get big ass sticks and go back in the cabin, but there's nobody in there. Uh, we count again and there's 11 people. We go back into the trailer and lock the door. We explain what the fuck happened, and the girl says that she realized too. Uh, and then, and, and that when he was about to say something, the person sitting next to her had grabbed her leg hard and leaned over towards her and said something, something she couldn't understand. Uh, so we are pretty much scared as fuck, and we huddle, huddle together, and I fall asleep. When I wake up, the sun's coming up, and half the people are asleep. The other half are packing our shit up. We all just want to go back home. Uh, but like four people want to stay until the sun is all the way back up. And some people think that we're just fucking around and still want to stay at the trailers. I just want to get the fuck out of the woods. Uh, the girl's name was Kira. And the one that the goat man had touched. Anyway, I asked her if she really thinks it was something bad. And she just, she says she just wants to go home and doesn't want to be out in the woods alone for another night. So we decide to split up. The four, the four that want to go can go, but I have to stay because I have the keys to the cabin, uh, and it's my uncle's, so I have to lock it up. I'm super pissed at this point because I feel people, I feel like people aren't taking this shit seriously, and I definitely don't want to be out in the woods for another night. I spend the rest of the day trying to convince the rest of the people, now four girls, four guys, to get the fuck out of Dodge. Uh, Tanner leaves to go get a rifle and says he's going 
uh, going to be back. So now there's just seven of us uh, left by 4 p.m. At around 5 p.m., he hasn't made it back yet, and we're getting extremely fucking antsy. The only reason I stopped begging that we go back was because he went to get a gun. It's about 5.30 p.m. or so when the one cousin that did stay says that the girl Kiara is outside. We look outside, and sure enough, she's standing by the fire pit with her back to the cabin. I'm thinking to myself, if she was so fucking scared, why the hell would she come back? Then I get this nasty feeling in my gut. Keep in mind, the whole time the coppery smell has been gone. Now I realize I can smell just a twinge of it. I say this to the rest of them and everybody, and these are the people that wanted to stay in the fucking woods after we had the goddamn goat man in our midst, is laughing at me and asking if I set this up to scare them. I'm looking at them like, I'm not fucking bullshitting you at all right now. I ask him, why the fuck would I play like that? So one of the girls goes outside to get Kira. She gets halfway to her and stops cold. Kira starts teething. I don't know how to fuck describe it. It's sort of like if someone with their back turned was laughing without actually making any sound. It was this fact that made me realize there was not a fucking sound in the whole woods. It was dead silent. This was like later in September, so it was still fairly hot at the time. But it was super chilly some days too. And you could usually hear big-ass geese honking, or some kind of birds or squirrels chit-chatting. So I step out the door and tell her to come back in the fucking trailer right goddamn now. She backs up into the trailer, and we lock the fucking door. We pull down all the shades except one, and put a guy there in the chair to watch her. She stands there for another 20 minutes or so. The guy turns to say that she's still there, and there's a huge fucking bang on the door. So now my cousin is holding one of the girls, and the other two are kind of giggling with nervous laughter, and me, and the other two guys are shitting bricks with an X. Then we hear Tan. He's screaming. Let me the fuck in! Stop fucking playing! So we go over to the door and open it, and he stumbles in with a rifle. There's nobody else outside. Evidently, he had walked up to the campsite. Nothing weird happened in the forest, but he had seen a girl. Mind you, he said it was not Kira standing there. When he had gotten to the edge of the clearing, she had turned toward him with a slack-jawed look and just stared him down, slowly tracking him as he walked around the outside of the clearing towards the camp. He said it wasn't until he was almost halfway to the trailer he had realized that she was getting closer to him. She had started off by the fire, and without him even seeing her move, she had been turning, inching closer. He said he just ran the rest of the way back to the cabin, thinking it would open, and when he got to the door and it was locked, he turned and was about half the distance he turned and was about half the distance to the door. He looks around the room and then gets super pale. He pulls me to the side and whispers in my ear, You know there were only seven of seven of us in here, right? I get that feeling where your stomach drops to your nuts. It had been back inside the trailer while we were sorting out who was going where, and then when we all went outside to talk earlier in the day, it just slipped right back in. We looked out the window and there is nobody out there. So we recount everyone, and then basically I go, I go over and ask everyone how many people were here earlier. And everybody says eight. I say, well, how many are here now? They all do the count and they realize there are only seven people in the cabin. So Tannen brought back a couple boxes of ammo and his rifle. And he told us his his dad, he told his dad that there was some kind of animal in the forest because he didn't think his dad would believe him if he said it was Goatman. He said that his cousin is supposed to be coming down in a few hours and that in the morning we can all go back to his place and, the, and his cousin will drive us home. Now I'm really fucking terrified. But I at least feel better because we can be American and shoot the fuck out of whatever it is if it comes back. Cherry, you scared me. <laughs> what, with me laughing? Yes, that startled me. I was like, oh, fuck. Ah. 
Fucking okay, bitch. I, I I have to say it. I feel like I I having a love hate relationship with the way that this is written. Yeah, the way that it's written like a four chan thread, both makes it hilarious and not scary at the same time. But at the same time, it's a very spooky sort of topic. It's terrifying. Shut up. (laughs) Well, it is terrifying. But at the same time, you got like the the feeling where your stomach drops to your nuts and, you know, dicking around. It's written like it's a 4chan thread because it is a 4chan thread. It is. But at the same time, I'm just I just don't feel scared because you have the like lines like we can be american and shoot the fuck out of whatever it is comes back i don't know i still like the story well yeah let's keep rolling but then my cousin gets into this huge argument with one of the girls because she thinks that i'm trying to be funny and prank them and she's getting really scared and that i'm not funny keeps telling her i'm not that kind of person and she says how do we know the girl wasn't just Tanner in a wig? Or if it's really the goat man, how do we know that this is the real Tanner? And that goat man just didn't kill Tanner in the woods and take his gun. <laughs> so we fucking get into a huge argument about this where me and Tanner are like, we could seriously be in danger because at every because the very least someone's been sneaking themselves into our fucking trailer without us knowing and mingling with us, and at the worst, something bad is in the forest fucking with us. One of the girls is crying and saying she wants to go right now, and we're trying to tell her we shouldn't because none of us are walking through the woods in the middle of the night. At this point, the start is starting to go down, and it's getting a little cloudy out. Do you want to pick it up, Cameron, or should I read yeah. one more? Uh, if you want to drop it here, I'll uh, pick up. We eat something and turn on the radio for a while. We can't really get a station out there with anything decent. So we turn it off at the, about the time Tan's cousin shows up. He was like 19. I think. At this point, the sun is just barely over the horizon, and he has one of those heavy-duty lantern flashlights and another rifle. He walks up to the trailer, and we whisper to Tan, asking if he's sure that that's his cousin, and he says, yes. The guy looks behind him and all around the camp, then walks in. He kind of glances at all of us and looks a little confused. He says, where's your other little buddy at? I figured she would meet me up at the cabin is she a little slow or something he also asked whether we had been cooking blood in the cabin because it smelled like blood and hot pans all the way up the trail we are all like fucking nope but we ask him what the fuck he's talking about with the girl he saw he'd come down the same trail tan had been using and he had come up on one of you's Guy's buddies standing in the middle of the trail looking at him slack jawed. He asked her a bunch of questions. Uh, all she did was just look at him. Then she smiled at him and he said he just kept walking. She couldn't seem to keep up with him and kept lagging a little behind him. He said he asked her if she was hurt or something, and if she needed any help, but she had continued to stare. Eventually, he had been walking, and turned around a bend in the trail. But when he turned around and went back to see if she was okay, the trail was empty. He'd assumed she had taken some shortcut through the woods to our trailer. 
Well, we tell him the whole story of what's been going on. I half expected him to say we're full of shit, but he just listened and then sat down on the couches in the living room. Tanner's cousin gets back to the girl. He says when she had kept trying to lag behind him, it kind of weirded him the fuck out. So he tried to keep her in front of him. But no matter how slow he walked, she was always lagging a little behind. And he smelled that nasty smell, and it got stronger as he got to the camp. Eventually, it got really strong. She had said something really low that he didn't catch. And when he had turned around, she had been right the fuck up on him, and he stepped back from her. It was at this point, he asked her if she was okay, and if she wasn't, him to carry her back the rest of the way, and she just kept staring. He said he reached out for her, as in to grab her on the shoulder, but he must have misjudged the distance, because she was off to the side of where he put his hand, like she had moved while he was looking dead at her. So, at this point, we know this shit's real, unless Tan is playing a joke, which we can tell he's not, because he's almost pissing his pants. Alright, my turn? Yeah. Uh, so they load up their rifles, we eat some more, and we s- kind of just sit around until about 11. To this fucking day, every time I think about this, I really pray to God it's just some huge prank that my cousins played on me and just never revealed so I would, uh, so I would shit for the rest of my life. At round 11, uh, the stink of copper turns into an actual... Nasty, gross blood-like smell, like cooking blood uh, and singed hair. Tan and his cousin, Reese, uh, get the fuck up instantly and grab their rifles. There's like half, there's like a half-knocking, half-clawing at the door. And I shit you not, there's, a, there's this voice. And it sounds like uh, when you see those YouTube cats and dogs who owners teach them how to talk. It says in a haunt, halting, weirdly toned voice, let me the fuck in. Stop fucking playing. It made my fucking nuts creep up against my body. And one of the girls just starts crying and calling on Jesus. It was so fucking obviously not a per- person talking. It didn't have the right cadence. And that's some shit I never realized until that moment but all people have a certain cadence when they talk no matter what language and all people have a certain kind of rhythm uh to talking this shit didn't have any kind of cadence to him one of those youtube cats what that's what the fuck it sounded like outside our door so now i'm in like full terror mode uh, we keep yelling outside, who is it? Stop fucking around, man. And it just keeps saying in or let me the fuck in for almost 15 minutes. There's a YouTube video and I want to know what it is. Oh, it's it's actually the cat talk. 
uh video like for those who don't know what cats sound like it's like yeah no (laughs) but he's talking about like there's a really popular oh yeah no there's a lot of video there's a lot of things on here that's talking about goat man but it's like yeah you know you want me to play it over my mic again it really kind of ruins the mood, but at the same time... Well, imagine if you're hearing that and it's not coming from a cat. It's yeah. coming from something that's massive, why don't, potentially why don't you just, malicious. Like, put a link to this video in like the description or something. Yeah, I'm going to put a link to every mm. uh, thing. Oh, but, okay. Uh, then go to the link. Check it out. Vig. Yeah, if you want to hear what cats sound like, there's an original video. Like it, oh uh, my god. You know, clearly, uh, it's cute with a cat. It would yeah. not be cute in this case. I, I'd imagine it would probably be a lot deeper in all that sort of mm-hmm. demonic almost. Mm-hmm. That's probably the point. Yeah. I just, I just thought that the fact that it has a funny cat thing, it's kind of like, okay. Well, it's the best... Yeah, it's the best comparison. Uh, I'm going to continue for a little bit. Uh, It sounded like this almost just not funny. Sorry for being on a... Jesus Christ. Sorry. Sorry. My finger slipped and I played a different video. Okay. All right. I'll just start over. It sounded like this almost just not funny. Sorry for being on a tangent, but you can't imagine just how this shit sounded. Uh, then you can't imagine how fucked up this whole situation is. So the smell goes away for a while, and for the next hour or so, you can basically hear someone creeping in the woods and some shit. Uh, every couple of minutes, it'll come back to the door and say something. Finally, when the smell fades away, it's around two in the morning. Reese says, man, fuck this, and opens the door, walks outside with a rifle. Uh, he shot, he fires a shot into the air, and says something to the effect of, in the name of Jesus Christ, go away. He fires two more shots. Uh, he fires two more times. And then from the woods, right up to the... Uh, right up against the river, across the trailer, it sounds like something is slowly gibbering and hooting. Uh, then it starts screaming, and it sounds almost like a woman and a cat in a bag screaming the other. Like, I seriously have never heard any shit like that. And then uh, you hear the brush over that way start to shake. Reese fires into the tree lines and then starts backing into the house. Keys? We lock the door and we can hear this shit keening and screaming. Reese uh, says something had come out of the bushes, super low to the ground and crawling towards the cavern. Cabin, sorry. Fuck. He had shot at it. Pretty much that was how the rest of the night went. It was literally screaming constantly for the next two hours, and we could hear shit moving out into the tree line. But it never came back up to the cabin until everyone had finally fallen asleep. Tan had been sitting in the chair watching the door with his rifle. Nobody else heard or saw this, and he told me two days later after the whole thing was over. He said he had been nodding off after the screaming and noises finally stopped, and he had been almost asleep when he saw someone come out of the bathroom and then lay down in the middle of the floor and go to sleep. He just assumed it was one of us and had nodded off. 
Then he said he kind of realized something was wrong, and while pretending to be sleeping, he counted us. There were nine people in the cabin. He basically didn't want to try to shoot at the fucking thing in the cabin and have it kill us all, then and there, or have uh, Reese wake up and start shooting and then we kill ourselves. So he just stayed awake all night, pretending to be asleep. He said sometimes it would stand up and kind of do this weird jittery thing, or heave like it was laughing, but then it would lay back down. The story closes pretty weak, because from my perspective, nothing happened. We woke up, and I noticed that Tan was a little jittery, and that he was avoiding looking at all of us. But we ate some breakfast, packed up, and started walking to his house. They'd last in the cabin and said he'd lock up and bring me my uncle's keys to just start walking and he'd catch up, which I really didn't want to fucking do. We got a little bit up the path, and when he came running up, basically we just jogged back to his house. His cousin took us home. Do you want to read the last bit, or should I? Um, do you want to read the last part, Lena? Or uh, the we got up a little, we got a little bit up the path. Uh, there was a window in the bathroom. Oh, yeah, sure, I'll read it. Uh, there was a window in the bathroom. Tan had gone back to lock up and looked in there. We're too stupid to lock a screenless window. The window was fucking up when he went in there. I'm guessing it had been doing that all, all along, waiting for us to fall asleep or slip up, and then getting in among us. He'd walked with us all the goddamn way back to his house, and then he said it lagged to the back of the group and looked him dead in the eyes before walking into the woods. So, what are you guys' uh, thoughts about it? I really didn't like the writing style because, you know, the 4chan thread. I really otherwise it's eh. I I think it's a good story, but I do have some complaints about like it is a spooky thing, but at the same time you've got some goofy vocabulary. I'm looking going at on. some I'm looking at some of the more from this wiki. And it's like Smile Dog, Bend Around, yeah. Slenderman, No End House. We've already got a couple of stories set up, so yeah, I'm just looking at the one called Normal Porn for Normal People, and like... Uh, let's not do that terrifying. one. terrifying. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. Why is it so bad? What do you thought? Because that wouldn't be allowed on YouTube! Oh, is it like actual P-word? It's fucking NSFW. Oh, shit. And we've already got, like, three other f- fucking stories to do. <laughs> Sorry, I'm interested in it. <laughs> wow. Read it on your own time. <laughs> I don't so, want to read it on my own time because I don't be scared. Lamb, what was yeah. your thoughts on the on the uh, Anazi Goatman story? It was pretty good. Keep in mind, this is like my first interaction with any of these stories, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And uh, Cameron, you you actually... Have you read up on this story before the podcast? Like, Yeah, I heard this a long time ago, and I remember just remembering the concept like a long fucking time after um, initially hearing it. It might have been a reading, I think. I feel like it does it really well. I, there's just minor complaints about the way that it's being sort of told. Oh, but it no, feels I like it doesn't take that. its own... Seriously. I don't have an issue with the conversational tone of it, personally. Yeah. It seems a lot more personal. Maybe it's, you know, it's a personal account is the idea. I think that's what it is. All right, so we have but... two SCPs. 
um, we didn't exactly specify what should go first. Um, I think it was Lamb's turn, so I guess we might as well just go with uh, Lamb's. Uh, that is SCP-1498, a.k.a. Dial-A-Dream. Of course, yeah. Lamb would pick the one that has to do with lambs. Shut the fuck up, shut the fuck that up. It's a good, it's a good SCP. It's a good lamb. SCP. Shut the fuck up. Shut up! Shut <laughs> There are a lot of men that have SCPs. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you can oh, look, start us out. with a phone. It's a lamb made of phones. Should hmm. I, uh, put these pictures on the... Like, flash, is, flash the image up real quick? Yeah, or I can just have it held up, and I can put everyone at the bottom of the screen. Uh, yeah. So, SCP-1498, which is Dial-A-Dream uh, the Sheep. The Dial-A-Dream Sheep. So, it, <laughs> you can start now, Sheep. Okay. SCP-1498, Dial-A-Dream. Object class, Euclid. All instances of SCP-1498 are to be held in standard containment chambers located within Site-77. One technician is to be on hand to answer any calls placed to SCP-1498. Transcripts of all calls must be placed in Site-77's non-anomalous records archive. Any persons found to have interacted with SCP-1498 are to be quarantined for two months or until they show signs of SCP-1498. Subjects showing signs of exposure are to be contained as an instance of SCP-1498-1, which require the same accommodation as instances of SCP-1498. <laughs> Alright. Do... So, uh... Are you... Should we move on to Cameron to yeah. start okay. the description i feel like this would make more sense to just go paragraph by paragraph because it's like tiny. each br each break we stop and switch to the next person sort of like someone can read the d uh d4560 uh like report and all that i don't know i'm not sure what you're on about well if we do that then everyone only gets to read like one thing I'm saying, like, we each read, like, one of the paragraphs and keep going yeah, on like that. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Ugh. Okay. Sharing so, bad with words. Yeah. <laughs> lamb. You made, it, you, lamb. Made it sound, you made it sound like we would be reading the entire section. No, that's not what I was talking about. I was talking about, like, uh, we just so, popcorn off paragraphs. So I should read this next one? I think uh, Cameron should read it. All yeah, right. okay. Because you read the... Uh, Special containment procedures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof. Okay. Description. SCP-1498 is a collection of 30 autonomous bundles of phone cords and handsets assembled in such a way they resemble sheep. Instances of SCP-1498 are fully ambulatory and will wander their containment chambers aimlessly. The words, make your own custom dreamscape with your friends at Onaroi Collective are printed on each instance. Um, if a sapient organism attacks...
What? Or nine eight. You, oh, you cut out. Uh, if a sapient organism attempts to use one of the phone's handsets present on SCP-1498, they will hear three rings, followed by a voice identifying themselves as an operator of the one... The, how do I pronounce this shit? The ons, The Honoroi Collective. Uh, the voice will instruct the sub- subject on various options they, they have for dreaming and make suggestions for enhanced dreaming experiences. Following the completion of the call, the subject will lose consciousness for nine hours. When the subject regains consciousness, they will claim to have experienced the dream they ordered to any exact specifications they made. Subjects may express a desire to continue using SCP-1498's effect or attempt to reuse it immediately. A transcript of a subject describing their experience while under SCP-1498's effect has been included in this report. D-4560, after being exposed to SCP-1498. I was sitting in this room, except it wasn't really a room, because the edges were sloped. So it was like an egg room, with green paper. But it wasn't that green. Just a little green, here and there. Anyways, I'm right in the middle, sitting on the ground. Except, of course, the fact that I was being supported. It's then I realized that I'm actually a table. Like, you guys told me to tell the weird sheep phone thing. There are people eating off of me, too. Look. Look old. Maybe from the 1950s with red faces. That was when we finally hatched. That was when we finally hatched and I woke up. And... As subjects are repeatedly exposed to SCP-1498, they may begin to experience changes to their bodily and mental states. Subjects affected by SCP-1498 will express a desire to sleep as frequently as possible, preferring the use of SCP-1498 if they are able to. While asleep, portions of the subject's cranium and skull will be replaced with portions of telephones similar to those found on SCP-1498. This is manifested in a variety of ways, including subjects coughing up telephones with cords extending into their esophagus, telephone wires beginning to grow in place of hair, ringing devices found on rotary telephones, found within the subject's ears, which may begin ringing continuously, and vocalizations being replaced with dial tone. Eventually, a rotary phone will assemble itself on the subject's head. Out of all the components that have been grown within and on their bodies, subjects will display the same intelligence and instances of SCP-1498 and are classified as instances of SCP-1498-1 uh, as of uh, that is August August uh, 19th of 2012 no attempt to restore the intelligence of S- of an SCP-1498-1 uh, instance has succeeded SCP-1498 was recovered on September 18th of 1965 from an abandoned office complex in Miami, Florida, after reports of bizarre livestock reached local Foundation assets. When Foundation agents entered the building, they discovered the SCP-1498 instances, one bedroll, 
approximately half a ton of rotary telephone components, and two pints of type AV blood in a glass jar. In addition, one pajama onesie, well-worn, was discovered folded at the bedroll. Testing has shown several months where the sweat and body oils soaked into the fabric. As of November 14, 1965, SCP-1498 has been classified as Euclid. And it is believed to be connected to SCP-2028 and SCP-2805. That footnote specifically applies to the Honorary Collective. Yeah. Um, How do you guys think about it? I think we know who obviously likes it. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up! (laughs) I did not know that it was discovered in my same birth month, so... Uh, 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 How do you... I think it's a really interesting one. Yeah, it's it's a really... It's a pretty neat one. Uh... It's especially neat if you Some want to turn into a sheep telephone. Shut up! Mm. Shut up! Shut up! This is bullying. This is cyberbullying right now. You set Some yourself parts of it, up. I feel like could be yes, you pick the one more, that is specifically for sheep. Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, I'm speaking over you. Yeah, well, oh, no, one, no one talks about sheep SCPs, and like they gotta deserve. They they deserve love. But you talk How about many sheep SCPs, SCPs are there exactly? There's, uh, there's three different sets. There's this one, Dial a Dream. There's the Electric Sheep Herd, which is actually, they, like, produce electricity. And they can shock people up to, I think it was, like, 5,000, Why have you read all of the sheep SCPs? Oh my god, you just started echoing. Why are you a robot? (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Yeah, but, like... The Electric Sheep? The Um, (laughs) Electric... I hope not. All right. So, uh... And then there's the Exploding Sheep. Which is something that isn't a sheep, that's (laughs) living as well, it will explode. Um, So I'm guessing everyone enjoyed that. It was pretty spooky. I liked it. Pretty neat. Um, So now we're going to move on to Keith's story, which is SCP-4050. What is this? Like, Like, I looked over it, but like, I couldn't grasp a mental picture of what it is uh it's a phenomenon occurring in a town that's not actually too far from me oh which which is the reason i like it so much are you you okay am i okay with putting this on there so that you don't get docs (laughs) no 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 it's it's like a day's drive away from me it's whatever okay that's that's not near you no no like a day's is in like six hours it's it's relatively close compared to everything else around here i live in because I was worried that you would get doxxed, and I don't want to no, do no, that. No, 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 it's, it's chill, it's chill. Okay, so it's like a phenomenon. Yeah, it's yeah, a phenomenon well, occurring in Helena, Kansas. We can go or, into Supposedly. It. All right, let's and do it. All right. Wait, so it's just I'll, the entire uh, city? I'll, I'll get us started, I guess. It should become self-evident once we've read through it. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Item number SCP-4050, object class Euclid. Special Containment Procedures Regulations have been set in place by the administration of Helena, Kansas, which forbid any body of water exceeding 10 meters in depth. In the event any body of water in Helena exceeds this depth, the water is to be drained. Witnesses of SCP-4050-1 are to be administered Class A amnestics. Site 177 has been established on the outskirts of Helena, serving as a water treatment facility as well as a foundation containment site for various Euclid class anomalies. Within Site-177 is a large empty container, which is 10 meters in depth. 
Personnel are not to interact with this container without permission from the current Site-177 director. Description SCP-4050 is the town of Helena, Kansas. According to town official records, SCP-4050 was found in 1868 when Florence C.N. James constructed a home with the purpose of studying the local area, later repurposed into a general store and a trading post. Containers, uh, any structures capable of independently holding fluid, uh, within SCP-4050, holding water at a depth at least 10 meters, uh, henceforth known as the container, become subject to a phenomenon uh, by which they uh, anomalously deepen. Uh, This occurs over approximately one week and has no effect on the outward appearance of the container in question. It has been noted that the volume of the water does not change uh, the outcome of the transformation. Upon reaching 500 meters in depth, this transformation will stop, and an opening will appear at the bottom of the container. This opening serves as an entryway into a physical replica of SCP-4050 submerged entirely in water, henceforth referred to as SCP-4050-1. The water in SCP-4050-1 has a salinity of 4.5%, slightly higher than average seawater, and a high argon content. It is otherwise non-anomalous. A large concrete dome covers the entirety of SCP-4051. The entryway into SCP-4051 always appears to be on the ceiling of this dome. Tests have concluded that the dome is destructible, but its breadth is unknown. The longest distance drilled into the dome dome, sorry, is 650 kilometers. Addendum, addendum 1. Following the events of Exploration 7.3-1, it was discovered that all buildings within SCP-4050-1 have had all of their openings completely barricaded with wood. All attempts at gaining entry into a building have met with failure, as the wooden buildings have resisted all destruction attempts thus far. Addendum 2. Following the events of Exploration 7.7-2, a single window that was not barricaded was found, allowing access into the house. Five human cadavers were found within its interior, including one male in the living room next to the open window holding a hammer and nails, one female and a child in the basement next to a large supply of canned food and bottled water, another male within a closet holding a large bucket and several empty water bottles, and another child in a bedroom upstairs holding a stuffed toy. Notably, these cadavers are an identical genetic match to the family, the members of which are both alive and currently residing within SCP-4050. I think I might put a bleep right there just to make it interesting or at least follow the sort of yeah. feeling that this yeah. has uh the following match of family yeah uh, addendum following Sorry, the events of exploration 8.1-3 it was noted that any container within scp uh 40501 uh measured that measured 10 meters or deeper would be affected by an anomaly similar to the one present with within SCP-4050 uh, and would anomalously deepen. Once the container has reached 
50 meters in depth. Another opening, or 500. Uh, another opening would appear at the bottom, which would lead to a large plot of land with a small dog or a small log cabin in the middle, completely submerged in water. This water appears to, to be the same composition as the water in SCP 4050 1 and uh, has a concrete dome similar to the one in SCP 4050 1 uh, covers the area. Uh, which also appears to be infinitely thick. Within the submerged log cabin is the corpse of Florence C. N. James. Floating next, the journal describes Florence's fear of the rain, noting you, uh... that it was raining more than usual in Kansas, and as well as describing a large flood occurring before the rest becomes illegible due to water damage. Hmm. All right, that is a very interesting one. I like, oh, I like that's... just the strangeness to it. That is nice. Yeah, yeah. I really like like alternate reality shit like that. So yeah, me too. Kind of like the kind of like the gas mask one that makes you see the Yeah, yeah. Oh, the gas mask is one of my favorites as well. Yeah. Um, the, the the dude literally actually just took out someone's heart. That was so funny. Uh, can we get a team killer in the chat? <laughs> you can't say that wasn't funny that he just ripped out some random Russian priest's heart in the middle of church and then disappeared. You yeah. can't say that isn't funny. I really like the cre- the creepy ones that are very like otherworldly. Uh, I mentioned on the podcast that I really liked the vending machine one because of that. Oh like, yeah, that just the vending machine anything. one. Like the vending machine one isn't inherently scary; it's just weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, the vending machine! I was thinking of the lit. I was thinking of the coffee dispenser for a second. They're kind of one and the same. They're similar. Uh, Have a, a cup bit. of medical knowledge, motherfucker. Yeah, that's what they got. Cup of pertinent medical knowledge, yeah. They so did now, it once only. That was the only time they could do it. 